Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 17 years and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are, we hope to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. Hey, quick shout out to ALOB for the intro music. You can find them on Spotify. Just search A-L-O-B. Thank you, ALOB. Hey, and a special thanks to Alyssa. Last week's episode was amazing. She is just such a gift. Thanks for uh, coming on and filling in while I was away. She and I have a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So um, today we're talking about uh, ministry is temporary, or uh, the, the way you put it as we were prepping, ministry is nomadic. What did yeah. you mean by that? Well, like, so when you said ministry is temporary, I was like, how can you say that when we've been in ministry for 17 years? It's not sure. exactly temporary. But I, I think the idea about it is those who we serve are in our ministries for a, a period of time, and then they move on. You know, so you think of RCIA, they're in your program for a year or two, and then they move on. Sure. And as if you're, if you're a DRE, they're in your program as they, you know, throughout their kindergarten or depending on what your, I guess, Yeah, your elementary experience. Yeah. yeah, early adolescence. And then you, it moves on. They're in your Bible study for a period of time, and then they move on. So it's nomadic, it's transient. I don't know, like, what the right word for that is, but temporary just seemed like it was talking about us as ministry leaders. Um, not so much as the those who we serve are in our ministries temporarily. Got it. So before we go any further, I have to let you know, before the show began, Kyle, our producer, came in and gave us a few tips in regards to uh, some filler words that we have been using and some different pieces that we need to change or just adjust to make the show better for you guys, the listeners. And so right now I am hyper aware. I feel almost a little bit naked. I'm like, am I allowed to say this word? Am I allowed to say that word? So if you and see, I've got, kinda... like, just so y'all know, one of my things is I've touched the microphone a little too many times, like uh, over the last, you know, the few episodes. And so I'm sitting on my hands right now. <laughs> I'm not touching anything. I took a drink while you were talking and I, I setting the cup down has made a noise in previous episodes. And he called us out on that because he loves you, the listener. And so I'm setting it down. Like it's a like it's an atomic bomb. Like yeah. I'm just like, oh please, please, like please. Indiana Jones. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> so, anyways, that that's in in the back of my mind. I've, I've, we've got a great show for you guys today. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, don't mess up, don't mess up, don't mess up. <clears throat> don't say this, don't say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we just did it. That's funny. I know. We just both did. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Ministry is nomadic. So the first part that I really want to uh, to dive into is kind of the problem. So what is the challenge in regards to this reality? And I think there's a couple of different pieces to it. One is if my ministry is going to have the, the teens or the youth or the children or the adults or whoever it is in it for a short period of time, what what happens if they are just learning to walk, right? And and then they have to get moved on to some other ministry or have to get moved on to somewhere else. And they go, they, they don't know how to walk. They're not ready for it. You know, what if they're, they're only eating soft foods and they're not ready for the meat and potatoes of the full fullness of Christian life? And I think about that, especially with high school students, because I know that college campuses are brutal for people who are nominal in their faith, just nominal yeah. in their faith. Yeah. Um, but I, I have teens coming to our program that don't know the, our Father, the Hail Mary, or more importantly, that don't know Jesus. Yeah. And, yeah. and sometimes I only get them for a year or two before they move on. So it's it's hard to uh, it's a hard situation to manage. So uh, like I think we're looking at multiple problems here. The more we think about it, so the idea 
that ministry is temporary, that people come in and come out of your ministry, that's not the problem. You know, that's just normal. That's what happens in ministry. Very few ministries are you in that ministry forever. And But the problem is, with that truth, what do we as ministry leaders do with that? So you'll have people that come into your program, and like you said, as they go to leave your program, they're still eating baby food. There's no way that they're going to be able to dive into apologetics or straight into a graduate degree or whatever in theology. Um, there are going to be people who don't want to leave your program, who right. have been so spiritually attached to your program that they don't see themselves like getting out of it and, and they don't want to leave. And then there's going to be ministry leaders who are insensitive to transitioning people out of their ministry and just let them flounder. Oh, hey, sorry, you're not my problem anymore. <laughs> go talk to the adult education person or go talk to whoever. And I, I, I wouldn't see that happening a lot with anybody listening here. You guys, the listeners here, you really like dive into and care about what you know, what service to the people you serve looks like. But anyway, it, it happens. But the next ministry leader didn't journey with Jessica when her parents went through that divorce. Uh-huh. Yep. And she she journeyed through that, and you journeyed with her during that hard, difficult time. The next ministry leader, whatever she moves on to the campus ministry, they they didn't experience that with her. And so there's this there's this uh, this right to be heard that you've earned. You've earned the ability to speak truth into her life, and now she's going on to someone who hasn't earned that right. And yeah. that's scary for you as a ministry leader because you care about the well being of Jessica because you you journeyed with her in such a hard time. You know, this is just an example. If there's a Jessica out there. And <laughs> I'm not talking about um, well, you, but the the other challenge is, what if they're going, here we are in Texas, I have a lot of teams that go to like Texas A&M and UT and all these places that have great campus ministries. I also have some go to community colleges and things like that, mm-hmm. they have no campus ministries. Yep. So how do I move them on to something else when there's not a place that's clearly like, this is going to catch you and this is going to hold you and this is going to feed you in the same way? And what you've been talking about is is another problem. Is, and we talked about this a while back, you know, pride in ministry, arrogance, you know, and I'm the savior of this person. I'm the one who can save Jessica when, you know, that's even, we need to temper that in ourselves. Uh, there was a, like, so any Hickman came in on recently to speak to the college students here at Texas A&M. Right. And one of the students I was meeting with, uh, Dave Moore yesterday, and they were telling me, you know, some of, a little bit about his talk and everything. One of the things he said, I've heard this idea before, but one of the things he said is it's cute when we think that we are, you know, really effective in our small groups. You know, it's what the idea was when our, as a father, when my son comes up and says, hey, dad, look, I fixed this. Oh, yeah, you did. You did a great job fixing it. You take it and you actually fix it. Right. Um, And then they bring up something else. Hey, dad, look what I did. I fixed this. And it's like, oh, yeah, you did. You actually broke it into bits. But I'm not going to tell you that. I'm just going to act like I'm proud and take it and fix it. And so any was saying that, you know, we're really cute with our small groups. Hey, God, look what I did with the small group. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you did a great job. And then he takes it and he fixes it, you know. And so that's part of this as well is, is we as ministry leaders need to trust and have faith that, you know, that we, that we have a God that cares about this person more than, more than we do and knows more about what they need than we do. Um, but we also need to not abandon them. I'm talking a lot, Chris, you go. You mentioned, you mentioned pride, but I also think the flip side of that same coin is insecurity. And mm-hmm. so all these years, 
I've given you a fish instead of taught you how to fish, and now you're going out on your own, and the only way you've encountered Christ is through these retreats and through these small groups and this experience, but I've never actually equipped you to pray on your own, to fish on your own. Mm. And now I'm terrified because I'm not sure that I adequately prepared you for a life with Christ outside of the context of these touch points that we've had every week in ministry. Yeah. And so there's that insecurity that comes, which is the flip side of pride in regards to that of what what do we do when there's not another ministry to pass them along to? Have we equipped them to allow them to go ahead and encounter and practice their faith, live their faith, Sunday mass and do prayer time on their own? Because you're right. God desires intimacy with these people way more than we desire them to have intimacy with God. And so he has a plan and a pathway, but sometimes we just want that certainty because we're insecure that, did I prepare them enough to actually, you know, get out of bed and get to Mass on a Sunday when they're the only one going because they're in a town that their family isn't in? How do we go ahead and navigate that? And that's, that's, the, that's the problem. That's the challenge because it's inevitable. Yeah. People who keep coming to ministry, if a teen graduates your high school program and then turns around and immediately volunteers in your high school program, they're not really volunteering. No. They're just attending as a young adult, which yeah. I would argue is not appropriate because there should be ministry for young adults. And True. God has a plan for those young adults outside of being a high school student on steroids. But the one of the things that I, th- I find interesting about youth ministry is... Uh, and, and this probably happens in a lot of areas. So even in, in RCIA, you have the people who come to volunteer for RCIA. They may have never heard, you know, some of the talks that are being presented at that, you know, class. And so this happens in, in the ministries that I work in. The parents that come to, you know, I guess walk with their child or the volunteers at RCIA who are there to walk with potential Catholics, that they learn a ridiculous amount about their faith from what's being presented to them. You know, it's the same kind of thing that you're talking about. It's just an age difference. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm just trying not to use a filler word. (laughs) How do I acknowledge it without using one of the words that's off limits, you know? So the the challenge is, is this balance between content and encountering. I think that they go, understanding and conversion go together, hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that sometimes if it's only conversion focused, we might prepare them, you know, for guitars and praise and worship and and things like that. We might actually be preparing them for a different congregation than the one they're participating in, right? So some, some Catholics find themselves, after having this youth ministry experience, for example, more comfortable in non denominational churches. And, and, and then others that it's only an intellectual ascent. Then a YouTube channel, you know, following uh, like a, a word on fire or something like that might actually feed them more than uh, than going to, to mass because they're only intellectually assenting. They're not having this uh, this heart encounter. And that's a that's a that's a dangerous piece. And then we have to reflect on our program. How are we preparing them to go ahead and move on to that next thing? And, and there's a couple of different ways that I think we can effectively help them move on to something else. But the first is a sense of purpose or meaning that goes beyond your own program or your own ministry. Their calling to discipleship goes beyond the walls. And if that's not already happening in the midst of your program, in the midst of the ministry that you lead, then, th- then it's going to be very hard to move them on to something else because you haven't given them something meaningful to do while they were in your ministry that goes beyond your ministry. 
Yeah. And I wonder also, so I'm thinking about this, that uh, as if they come into our program, we have poured into them, formed them, discipled them. They are starting to, to learn how God wants to love the church through them because everybody has their own particular charisms, their only own way to serve the church, to serve God. And then they're like, wow, you know, I really feel like I'm called to serve the poor. And then they leave your ministry and they go serve the poor. And you're like, man, like I just did all that work. And now that person is in that other ministry and I'm frustrated because I just lost my best volunteer. Right. You know, and and that's a tension that we need to struggle with, you know, that our job is to help them find their greatest source of joy, like their small V vocation within the church, how they're going to serve God and serve the church. And it may not be our ministry. It may not be where God's called us to serve. And speaking to their charisms, drawing out their truths is really equipping them for lifelong relationship with the church in service of it. That's discipleship. You know what I mean? Membership is kind of what a Christian, you know, just someone who participates but you kind of become a disciple when you start taking ownership and living it. And that's what helps move them beyond where they're currently at, move them on to something else. But then the other piece is moving them on to someone else as well. So a lot of times when a, a teen for high school or if you're in a parish ministry that's like elementary ministry, you need to have a connection with the person who's next, yeah. right? So if they're going from uh, elementary to middle school and, uh, you know, we had Gwen on the show a few weeks back, uh-huh. and she is at the same church as I am. You know, actually, we're, we're brother and sister, but a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, I was talking to your wife. <laughs> who's in charge all the, of the time. That's who's funny. in charge of the middle school program, and uh, it's like, no, trust me, we've known each other forever. We're not <laughs> married, you know. Um, so she, at the end of her year, always invites me out to her youth program mm-hmm. to introduce myself and to go ahead and get them hyped up. Hey, and for those of you who are in eighth grade, this summer you can start jumping into the high school program. She's in charge of middle school. I'm in charge of high school. And so she has this neat way of moving them, moving the teens onto someone else, mm-hmm. passing the baton to me. And then for me as well, when students are going off to campus ministries, I go ahead and I encourage them. Because Texas A&M is in, in College Station where you're at. That's a university yep. that a lot of my teens go to. They have an amazing, amazing campus ministry. It's nationally recognized. Yeah. However, it doesn't do anything for the teens that don't go. Yeah. And so that's that's part of it is equipping the teens to say, okay, it's going to be hard. It's it's hard for your first year of college. It's difficult. Yeah. Go go the first well, week. Go the friends, first time you visit. Yeah. Yeah, making friends and setting up that initial routine and and helping them to do that, making making connections for them when they get there. You know, what are those ramps? You know, and I like to, like, I don't know if it was Rich Curran or, or who, but there, someone was talking about ramps to the next level. Like, we don't have, like, adequate ramps, you know, for going up in the spiritual life or, you know. To, to the hashtag next level, hashtag next level ministry dot org. What? <laughs> you completely threw me off. <laughs> you said to the next level. You know, I'm in charge oh, of next gotcha, level ministry. That's funny. I oh, was doing a shameless plug. <laughs> you, I did wasn't it as for funny. you. <laughs> I think he talked about uh, a lot of times there's not an easy way to get into the deep end. You know what okay. I mean? It's either either the deep end. There's not a, not a lot of shallow ends in the faith. Sometimes it just assumes that you are ready to to swim in the deep end and we need to have kind of a shallow end that leads to the deep end of the pool. And when you're transferring from one ministry to another, 
a lot of times there's not a shallow end. It's all, you know, and I, I think about certain retreats, there's like the tech retreats and, uh, all these, uh, what, what's the movement called? The cur, cur- uh, the awakening retreat is part of it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, anyways, uh, Curcio, the Curcio retreats. And sometimes it's like, okay, either you've gone to the retreat and you're in the deep end or you're like unclean, you're a leper. You know what I mean? We, <laughs> we can't talk about this around you. And uh, and that's problematic when we're trying to be uh, hospitality and welcome people in or pass people on. And sometimes the best you can say is just go on the awakening. You're going to make friends and then you're going to yeah. be in this this club, you know. Well, and uh, like you mentioned retreats, that's a, a little kind of microcosm of what we're talking about, of that temporary nature of ministry. You talk about temporary, they are with you for three days or two days, yes. you know, however yes. long. What does that look like? You know, what is bringing them in look like? What is sending them forth look like? Are they going to be able to actually take what they've gained, what they've learned, and do something with it? Is it going to change their life, or is it just going to be something that they did? That's that is a kind of a way of looking at the same thing we're talking about. I well, look that's, at go yeah, ahead. that's a great way to go ahead and examine this topic at a very small piece. So on a retreat. We have them for three days. We have to move them on to something else. And if the only end goal of the retreat is that you go change the world, you can do it, and it turns into a pep rally for our faith, mm-hmm. I don't think that actually equips them for a long-term success. Mm-hmm. I think that's giving them fish with some sugar on top. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Just imagine <laughs> yeah, eating fish with sugar on top. That's disgusting. Uh, <laughs> Why did you make that analogy? Oh, I can taste it. Yeah. So. That's giving them fish with sugar on top. But the other challenge is, is then they want to come back to the retreat. They yeah. don't want to come back to the Lord. They yep. remember they got fed on the retreat. It's giving them water uh, from a well instead of giving them an encounter with the living water. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of a retreat, a success would be that they go forth and they continue a deeper or a deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. That now they've learned how to fish. They've learned how to seek Christ out on their own, even if it's just in one new way. I walked away from the retreat, and I understand Lectio. I walked away from the retreat, and I understand uh, you know, how, to, how to spend time in Eucharistic adoration. And I think that there's a danger when we do Eucharistic adoration on retreats, especially with youth, if it's only praise and worship, if it's only a, a cajon or a drum kit and guitar, and there's no silence, because then they go back to their parish. Yeah. And this is youth conferences as well and things like that. They go back to their parish and they walk into an adoration chapel that has the son of god yeah. but no but no music and so they think this is boring i'm uh-huh. like yeah, yeah. It's the son of God. This yeah. is amazing. This is yeah. an amazing opportunity. But it didn't look familiar to the prayer style that they received. And then we create these conference junkies or these retreat junkies or these kind of spiritual high junkies. And that doesn't help to move them on to something else because we're not showing them prayer, how they should experience prayer or liturgy in their own communities, in their own setting, in their homes, in their families. Yeah. And I think that we should be burdened with that reality because the people, at least for youth ministry, adolescent ministry, children's ministry, the people that we typically need to move them on to or prepare them for is each week we move them on to someone else and that someone else is their family, the yeah. primary faith sharers onto their domestic church. And we need to be thinking about that every single time we gather them. Well, and that's very, that's very youth ministry focused. I, I like, I'm, I'm stuck on RCIA for this. Like, what does it look like for RCIA? And I actually believe that some of this, some of what we're saying may mean a, a different way. I don't want to say more work, because, but, it, but it actually might be. So if, if you have a retreat, and let's say it's not youth ministry focused, you don't have people coming from your, your youth group to a retreat and then back to the youth group or anything like that. You just have a retreat at the parish. 
right? You have parishioners coming from the parish. You have the retreat, you're done with the retreat, and then you do the retreat next year. There is no transition into an actual faith life, into what does it look like, and there's no follow-up. The, the retreat team doesn't do anything to, I don't know, have a re- reunion, you know, follow up with the people in, that were the participants. What's your faith life like now? I think everybody that does ministry needs to do that with everybody that goes through their program. In some way or another, they need to follow up. They need to set them up for success. So if you've gone through RCIA and you have your group of people, you inter- interview or talk to every single person that's in RCIA or have the, your volunteers do that. And, and ask them, hey, what's your plan moving forward? You know, we've got this, we've got that. You know, there's this Bible study, there's this group, they're a married couples group. Would you like to start one? What's your plan moving forward? And then ask them to commit to something or work with them to help them to commit to something. And then three months down the road, a month down the road, call them yeah. and ask them how they're doing. Like, what are you doing with this? Share it with their sponsors. Like, yeah, okay, sponsors, absolutely. this is what they want. We follow up with them. And I think that's the other piece. And, and this is maybe kind of the point that we can kind of wrap this topic up with is that it doesn't mean when you move them on to someone else, it's not like you're kicking them out of the boat. No. You know, <laughs> I know I thought you had to swim. Okay, good luck in these, yeah. you know, rush, rushing waters. But it's not kicking them out of the boat. One of my favorite things is Christmas break. Mm. And I, I keep in touch via, you know, messaging and, and things like that for some of these teens that uh, that have given me permission to speak truth in their life as they go off to college. And, you know, everyone has their, their teens or their people that they're called to minister to in a deeper way. And so I reach out to them, send them a text message, you know. But then Christmas break, we head over to a place and we go get wings and we catch up and we talk about how things have been going. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they show me a tattoo and I'm disappointed, except it's a scripture verse. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. that's not that bad, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and you get to catch up with them. And so you can support them. And some of them, they're like, it's been hard. And yeah. I'm like, have you, have you checked into this, the Catholic Student Center? Have you been going to Mass regularly? Have you been praying every day? No. Okay, let's go ahead and reconnect with some of those structures that we talked about back yeah. when you were in a weekly ministry, a weekly small group. And what was it that helped you succeed there? Let's see if we can't discover that or create that for you where you're at because God has a plan to love you where you're at. Yeah, and sometimes it's just helping them find a friend that has the same goal. You know, hey, you know, you you have someone, uh, I know so-and-so is there, and I know that y'all were friends, and they would like to have a deeper prayer life as well. Why don't you just ask them, hey, can you help me, hold me accountable? I mean, you and I have done that with each other, Chris. Yes. You know, and, and helping them, equipping them to seek that out, and that it's it's not embarrassing to ask a, a, a brother in Christ to hold you accountable to things that you want to grow in. Amen. So ministry leaders, this week, I want you guys to reflect on what are some of the different ways that you can help move your teens, your team, the people you minister to, RCA people, on to someone else, onto a different ministry, because that transition is inevitable. Yeah. And uh, and even even what would it look like? And this is a deeper question for a different, maybe a different topic, but what would it look like to move your ministry onto someone else? Because you were also temporary, right? We're not going to live forever, so... What does it look like to go ahead and set up a ministry so that you could pass it on to someone else so they can continue the good work that you've you've done? Pray for those that have moved on. Pray for those that maybe have moved on and floundered a little bit. I know quite a few. So please pray for ministry leaders as we seek to deal with kind of that reality as well. So well, That's as right. we wrap up, Matt, how can our listeners find us? You guys can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, Stitcher, Google Play, MLAPodcast.com. 
You can email us at mla at ablazeyouth.org. And please write us a review in iTunes. I had a phone conversation with a priest friend of mine up in St. Louis last week. He owes me a review. So if you're listening and you haven't written that review yet, 9 o'clock tonight, you're writing that review. All right, Father Ray, thank you so much for listening. Oh, I called him out by name. Sorry, buddy. You did. (laughs) And you mentioned where he's from, so it narrows it down. Well, hey, you guys, pray for other ministry leaders. Think about how you're going to move people on to other ministries. There's a lot of amazing people out there that want to share God's love, and God has a plan for each and every person, including you. So here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, you go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders. We'll see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you. God bless. God bless you. (laughs) 